We all need to laugh. We choose truth over facts. And now for a perpetual political protest in progress. Judge my physical mental suit, my physical as well as my mental suit fitness. Coffee time. And welcome to the Amokin Coffee Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon. I'm Jason Floyd, and we are live, actually recording live from the Amokin Coffee Social Club Cafe this morning. And we have a couple of folks that have joined us, as always, uh, our friend and neighbor Loretta Eaton um, and uh, Kendall Help me say your last name again. Shorky. Kendall Shorky, uh, a, a new patron wearing a Second Amendment hat today. And uh, also, we are joined on the phone today by uh, Representative David Eastman. David, are you there? Can you hear us? All right, just a second. I got to make sure that everything's rolling. Okay, David, try that again. Good afternoon, Jason. Okay. Yeah, when the red button is red, <laughs> it's good. When it says record, when the red button is red and you don't hear anything, that means mute. Red equals good. Okay, I wrote e- that down. Okay. I wrote All that right. down. You got it. Okay. So uh, we're going to just launch in here really quick. Uh, I have some um, preloaded information that uh, is going to set the stage for today's show. So uh, bear with us while we join through the magic of uh, uh, the digital universe. Uh, the floor session last Friday, this this uh, past Friday, yesterday, uh, in the swamp. And this is, uh, this is the House of Representatives and um, coming to you through the KTOO gavel to gavel service. So here we go objection um before i call on the member to speak to their objection i'm calling on the majority leader to open up the discussion uh thank mr. you mr majority Ma- leader uh thank you madam speaker um madam speaker the member from district 10 no longer is a member of any caucus at this time therefore that member is not entitled to serve on any committees however we're only removing him from the the rules and later on the ethics committee Madam Speaker. Thank you. Would you like to speak to your objection? Representative Eastman. Um, Thank you, Madam Speaker. I rise to a question. And um, before proceeding further in this process, I would ask, for what reason am I being punished by removal from the Republican caucus and these committees today? Is there further Representative Tilton? Thank you, Madam Speaker. Um, The process that took place was that there was a meeting that was called. Um, There was um, all the members of the caucus were in, I believe all the members of the caucus were in attendance at the meeting. There was um, a, uh, every every member had the opportunity to have a discussion um, and Representative Eastman was had the ability to address the members at that time. So 
Thank you, Madam Speaker. Thank you. Is there a further discussion? Representative Eastman? Um, thank you, Madam Speaker. You know, I uh, see that this motion is about me personally, so I ask unanimous consent that I be permitted to abstain from the vote today. There's been an objection. Are you ready for the question? The question is, shall the committee on committees? Oh, excuse me, Representative Kirka. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Madam Speaker, I believe this action we're about to take is outrageous. I cannot condemn this in the strongest possible terms. I believe the process by which this took place is unjust, unfair, and un-American. The message to conservative Alaskans is clear. Don't fight too hard for your values. Don't work too hard for your district. Madam Speaker, this is a sham and I will not be in engaging or uh, joining this cancel culture. Is there further debate? He's already spoke. <laughs> Brief decent. Okay, so mm -hmm. uh, they, they call the brief at ease. Uh, and uh, let, me, uh, let me stop this. Come back to order. Representative right. Eastman. Um, thank you, Madam Speaker. I, I will be objecting to this vote. Um, I also am saddened that there were no reasons provided uh, given. All right, so it actually uh, cut out there. I'll go ahead and grab this other clip. And um, this is our first time using the gavel service. So here we go. Actually appropriate that um, my office be notified when that meeting was going to take place so that I could attend. Uh, that did not take place either. Um, so not only was the public not aware of it, but neither was I. Uh, that process, I think, is in need of, of serious reform. Thank you. Thank you. Representative Tuck. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Just want to point out to the members that uh, Uniform Rules uh, 23E1 uh, the provisions of A and D of this rule do not apply to the media. So uh, I, I think that's that's more than enough. Watching uh, watching sausage being made. Yeah. There. No, well, listening it, to being made, trying to watch being sausage being, being, being made, made being made by sausage by being made whatever it is. It's yes, it's, 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 it's a nightmare of a of a you know just as a, a you know an Alaska citizen that's a nightmare. Even I've watched. Um, the streaming service they're a nightmare to watch sausage they are begets sausage oh, so they are just useless well you know um as we as we kind of look at what's happening here in the state you can't help but uh, look at the sort of the the companion things that are happening at the national level mm. you know this uh this cancel culture is pervasive mm-hmm and oftentimes the left gets uh, gets saddled with responsibility for the cancel culture. But, oh, you know, no, the, no. the establishment right mm -hmm. is just as guilty or even more so, some may argue, than the left uh, when it comes to silencing speech. And, uh, you know, the last time I looked, the uh, freedom of speech, the ability to speak one's mind and say things, sometimes things that are unpopular mm. or even vulgar, uh, is a right that we all have. 
you know, uh, one, we would hope that we would remain civil and uh, and dialogue and in sort of conscientious, uh, neighborly ways with each other. But uh, that's not always the case. And our our nation and our state afford us the ability to disagree, and sometimes that requires vehement disagreement or aggressive di- disagreement. And um, and uh, and it's okay. It's okay. But but the Republicans say it's not okay. Um, the the Democrats have demonized, or the Republicans have demonized the the Democrats for this, um, as you've all probably been aware. Elon Musk uh, bought yeah. Twitter this last week, and uh, coincidentally, uh-huh. the same week that he buys Twitter and says he's restoring free speech. Okay, and the Department of Homeland Security oh, announces yeah. the creation yeah. of. Yeah. The Disinformation Grievance or Governance Board, Disinformation Governance Board to, quote, combat Mm. misinformation online to reduce domestic threats in the United States. And they named a woman named Nina or Nina Jakowitz. Who's a psycho. As the new director. She's she's absolutely... Google her name yeah, and yeah, come, yeah. watch her YouTube videos. Well, and, and when you look She's back, crazy at, woman. there was a New York Post story on Ms. Jackowitz mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, that said basically, according to her own personal tweets, yep. ironic that she's using the Twitter platform when she does this, uh, that the, the whole Hunter Biden laptop story um, was just, uh, quote, a laptop from hell and a Russia influence op yeah and uh that the story was illegitimate there was fake news and um as a sort of a repercussion of her and other people saying things like this and the so-called fact checkers weighing in uh the new york post was actually kicked off of twitter this story was kicked off of twitter it was silenced on facebook um, it's one of the stories that that uh, that Elon Musk points to. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the specific actions taken against a news organization reporting facts, which were all decried as as uh, fake news by by the left, but now we all know we what we already knew back then that they there was something there there, and and even CNN has had to had to own that now. Um, the interesting, the other interesting little piece of news that uh, that came out, um, I just heard this this morning, is that Italy is now instituting a social credit system, and that uh, they are going to be rewarding people for uh, desired behaviors. But but you do and monetizing but that. But you do understand what country you're talking about, right? Italy can't even run what it's got now. So I would not worry about a social credit system in Italy. Just, but it, but just, it does it does speak to the broader issue, but, but and, and it's what they, it's the intent that's more scary yeah, than the actually yeah. impl- implementation. And, and, and they say it's going to be you know concerning something as benign as recycling. You know that, uh, well, that when you yeah, when you re- I don't, I when you recycle, it. you're going to earn. Yeah. Yeah. boys, you know, climate change uh, credits, yeah. and you're going to be able to turn those around. And, and uh, I don't know, what do you buy in Italy? Prosciutto? 
I, I, I buy more I don't know. shoes <laughs> shoes buy, shoes buy more shoes <laughs> shoes yeah, I, I yeah. Don't but know. Uh, but the but this is coming and you know uh, to put everything in context something else that happened and I don't know David if you'll be able to weigh in on this as well but um, the Republican Party had their state convention just last week and an interesting turn of events happened which is not totally uh, disassociated from or or separated from what happened to David on the floor, but part of a bigger move by the establishment to double down on their controls. And what that was, was in the 11th hour, the, uh, the executive committee and the chairman decided to allow a resolution to be uh, put forward by, uh, I believe, Representative McCabe. Now, they had already told all the delegates, you cannot submit new resolutions. They had to be submitted within this predetermined timeline. That timeline is passed. And so we will hear no new news or uh, new business. And, um, but in the 11th hour, somehow Mr. McCabe found privilege <laughs> to be able to submit his, his motion, which was then quickly taken up by the chair. Now, all day, I wasn't there, but I've talked to many people who did go to, to the convention. All day, they had, the party had invested in these, I don't know, $75 clicker things that, mm. that uh, count the votes. Okay, so when yeah. you vote on something, you use your clicker. I've used them before. Yeah. Yep. And it displays the, the results instantaneously, you know, in a bar graph or a pie chart or, you know, numbers on a screen to show where the yeas are and where the nays are and anybody who abstains. Well, I was told that throughout the entire convention, they use these clickers. Every single vote, they use these clickers when they were in their, in their general assembly. But strangely, mm-hmm. in the 11th hour, when this new resolution came forward, they decided not to use the clickers. They called for a, vo- a voice vote <laughs> and said, all in favor, say aye. So the ayes shouted aye. Yeah. And they said, uh, we'll say that that passed. And they gaveled out. Uh, that does not sound real. They gaveled out. No, that, this is in, like, this is that is in re- the minutes or something? Yeah, this that, is real. Like, could this, you? this is real. Uh, that's, and they no, did that's not, one of those they did not ask myths for, that goes around. No, no, no. I, I talked to, oh, I talked to people who were there. Who okay. I trust. Yeah, but and and and, and I don't what know. was the what was the resolution? So the resolution was basically brought forward to demonize, censure, um, and withdraw any kind of support for any person who is a a Republican Party member seeking a leadership position who has participated in or supported and it was it was kind of ambiguously oh, written. Oh, it was the FACL training. The FACL training. FACL training. FACL stands for the yeah. Foundation yeah. for Applied Conservative Leadership. Yeah. Now, I went to one of these trainings uh, just recently and it was awesome. The trainings mm-hmm. were designed to help people who are considering candidacy uh, run an effective campaign and get elected. Conservatives. The other role of FACL is to equip the grassroots voter, Republican voter, with the tools necessary to exert pressure on non-performing members of the legislature or their elected leadership. 
or even the party leadership to exert pressure on them to actually fulfill the promises they made when they campaigned. And it's somewhat ironic, not surprising, that Mr. McCabe, who has been fackled recently (laughs) by a bunch of folks who are pissed off at him for some things that he's said or hasn't said or done, uh, that he flipped around and and made this resolution. I was told that there were a a whole host of other legislators that were present who rushed to the microphones to to support the silencing of the grassroots Mm -hmm. and to marginalize them and assure that they don't have access to or the ability to become leaders in the party or to become an endorsed candidate of the party. Yeah. So when we talk about cancel culture and we talk about these big national and international examples of it, well, folks, your friendly Republicans are doing this actively here in Alaska, your leadership, your Republican leadership. Well, how much of it is because they've just been let go, left left alone? Republicans largely had, that's how we got Lisa Murkowski. Well, <laughs> I, I know that, that David is a busy man. He's still down in Juneau. And uh, again, welcome to the show, David. Uh, real quickly, how many how many uh, years have you served as a legislature, legislator down there in Juneau, David? I'm in my third term, so this is year number six. Year number six. And and if I'm not mistaken, uh, the attrition rate for turnover of rhinos has been devastating within that body. And in your sixth year, you are now nearing a seniority status. Is that correct? Yeah, it's um, kind of crazy. Actually, you know, so when I finished my first term as a freshman, you know, on the, the day that I finished that and was getting ready to start my second term, I was already more senior than most of the legislators in the House. That's that's the level of attrition. So one might take that as a clear mandate from the public that we don't like rhinos and we don't like people who go to Juno and don't do what they promise to do, but do a whole bunch of other stuff to empower the opposition. Would that be a correct read? Uh, yeah, there's there's lots of reason for attrition, so it's it's not a one-size-fits-all uh, scenario. People retire for various reasons. You know, one of the reasons that doesn't have to do with that is the fact that there was less money available for the state to spend. So uh, some of the legislators who had been spending, you know, billions and tens of billions of dollars, you know, uh, that wasn't available to spend anymore, they decided that that was about, you know, time that they wanted to retire. Uh, so there were a number of different reasons. <laughs> that it's is no, lo- no longer fun when the no. treasury is empty. Don't be telling us, <laughs> don't be telling us things like that. We, we'd like to have our illusions that they go there to better their communities, not to spend our money. <laughs> well, you know, politicians, um, it's kind of a self-selecting uh, institution profession, you know, nominally it's, it's selected by the voters, but, uh, but the voters can only select people who run for office yeah. uh, and people who run for office are often, uh, of, of one particular type of person. Um, and, and there are a lot of good people who don't have the ability logistically or financially or otherwise to run for office. So you get, you know, whatever it is, whoever runs and, and mostly people run because, you know, they want to be elected, not because they want to necessarily do anything to help fix our government. Mm. So 
You know, I had an opportunity. Um, Representative Gillum uh, was one of the folks. Who actually, I looked at the I looked at the vote and uh, made note of the people who supported your removal. <clears throat> and the fact was not lost on me that Sarah Vance, Ben Carpenter, and Ron Gillum all voted to remove you. Mm-hmm. The only person that stood by your side. Mm-hmm. In this vote was Representative Christopher Kirka, whom we heard in in the little uh, blurb from from the floor session. And m- Mrs. Gillum was in the shop yesterday. Oh, interesting. And I approached Mrs. Gillum and said, "I would like to know the reasoning behind Mr. Gillum's vote." And she turned to a block of ice. Well, you just don't know. You just don't know. You don't know what's going on. See, see, see. This is how it works. You just don't know They're what being happened. Conditioned. He's done yeah. heinous things. He's done terrible things. Yeah. They're being conditioned. Uh, when, when speaking about Representative Eastman, and I said, "Well, the public needs to know about those terrible things. Do tell." <laughs> oh well, I I just don't have time to tell you. See, this you and, and you, you don't have time to tell me. We'll have to get to that later. Yeah, I was like, "Well, Ron right. needs to get out and needs to say why, why he voted the way he did." Yeah, because if David Eastman is that evil and bad, to use your word, we need to know about this. But they're being conditioned. This is how indoctrination works. You can tell they're being in, and they even go. It sounds like they go after the families too. Well, it's you know, a, it's the, a unit. The the irony here is is that um, the facile method. And, and, and I bring up FACL because, because the connection between what Mr. Eastman is experiencing and FACL is that Mr. <laughs> Eastman has been a large supporter of FACL because, and correct me if I'm wrong, David, did you actually like the grassroots being active in the party. Is that, that correct? Well, I'm, I'm here as a voice of the grassroots, so I, I'm not here as... Um the voice of any particular you know, group or organization, faculty or otherwise. Uh, I don't get a lot of donations from special interests, like none. Um, and, uh, and so my, you know, people who are, are supporting my campaign, donating my campaign, those are, are usually uh, citizens, business owners, um, small businesses, those types of things. So, um, <clears throat> yes, I appreciate their being engaged, whether they're, you know, with me on an issue or, or not. Um, whether they're from my district or some other part of the state, yeah, I want them to be engaged. So, so I know that I know that when you sign on to a caucus, that the caucus agrees to certain rules, and in this particular case, the caucus has bound its members to a certain level of secrecy with what happens behind caucus doors when when discussing strategy and who's going to present bills and in what order and who's going to fight what and who, what, what accommodations are going to be made for, you know, working with the other side and, and those sorts of things. And no, you, you give, you give them far too much credit, Jason. Um, <laughs> well, that, that, that's, the, that's the line. That's the line that's, that's promoted. organized opposition to the Democrat <laughs> agenda. There isn't one. And, and that's really actually, that's, that's where the tension lies. Because you have folks like Senator uh, Kirk and I who have been pushing it, and we're not the only ones, um, who have been pushing consistently 
to have an organized opposition to the, the Democrat agenda. And, and you have had folks that have been pushing um, equally passionately not to have an organized opposition. And so there's that tension. And, um, you know, when people talk about not being on the same page, that, that's it. Those are the two pages. And, and you have Republicans on both sides of those pages. So there's, there's friction there. Um, and when people talk about, you know, well, you know, we need to, to get along and get together, they're talking about getting rid of one of those pages. And I'll let you imagine which one they want to get rid of. The conservative one. Right. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that, that under this code of secrecy that, that is, is talked about but not necessarily practiced, that leading up to the floor session, that actually this decision was leaked to the press before it actually happened. Oh, interesting. Now, I'm assuming you didn't leak this to the press. You know, my, my uh, staff is often in the dark because um, other staffers from Republican offices, you know, know what happens in caucus meetings. And, and my staff feels left out because I don't tell them. So you say you're following the code? This, um, well, this so, sort of honor, so honor system? Yeah, I would rewind a couple things. I'm, and obviously, I, I'm not going to, you know, nitpick at every every little thing. Uh, but I would say one of the things you said that's important is this whole signing on to a caucus. Um, so there are, are are two very different organizations. In in most states, you would have uh, a Republican organization and you would have a Democrat organization, and you are a member of that because you were elected as a Republican or as a Democrat. Um, you don't, you know, go to the legislature and, and say, um, you know, please let me into the Republican caucus, uh, as a Republican. Um, and, and they don't say, well, we'll let you in if you vote, you know, with us on the budget. And if you vote with the speaker when she, you know, does this or that, that's not the way the process works. You, you just, you're a Republican, you, the legislature respects the voters and the decision made by the voters in electing you as a Republican. So you're part of the Republican caucus. And then, you know, you decide together what your agenda is and what people agree with or, or don't want to make an agenda item, that sort of thing. So this idea of, of coming to the caucus, it just points to the fact that what we have now in Alaska is not that it's not even close to that. It is, um, it, the, group should not have the word Republican in the name because it's not a Republican organization. Yeah, it's a group of legislators who are, are pursuing, you know, things that they want to pursue, but it's not on behalf of voters. It's not on behalf of, of Republicans. It's just what they want to pursue. And, and so the, like I said, the friction has been those of us who are trying to pursue those things being told, no, you know, now it's not the right time. Well, let me let me ask you a question here. So when when you're officially drummed out of a caucus, does that mean that you are still ethically or honor bound to not talk about what happens in the caucus? That's an interesting question. I, I haven't really thought about it much. Um, I, I would say that. Um, we have an obligation to the truth and um, you know, there are 
legislators who are, are not being honest in the, in the video clip or the audio clip you just played a moment ago. There was a legislator not being honest. Um, and I think that is something that the public deserves to know about. So whether or not, you know, someone wants that to be, you know, kept secret or not, I think is much less important than being honest with the public. But, but even putting that aside, where does this leave your constituents? So essentially, you've been blocked out of any input, right? Is that that's my interpretation of what's gone on? They've yeah, said so, you're not um, on any committees. You can sit in the room and vote. Um, yeah. So so specifically, yesterday the vote was taken to remove me from the rules committee and to remove me from the ethics committee. Um, uh, there are other committees that I do sit on. You know, previously. When, when this happened two years ago, yeah. um, you know, they removed me from all of the committees. And uh, I'm sure there's others who would like to continue to do that, and maybe they will. Um, but it's also the case that this is, not, this is not incredibly surprising because it does happen every legislature. I mean, every single legislature, every term I've been elected, at some point during that term, they come in and they strip me of committees. Um, they've done that three times now. Uh, they've done that three times to Senator Laura Reinbold. Uh, they did it to her in the House. They've done it to her in the Senate. Um, you know, they, they stripped, um, you know, when Senator Mike Dunleavy was in the Senate, they stripped him of the committees. When Senator Mike Schauer was in the Senate, they stripped him of the committees. This is, this is what you do to legislators who are uh, representing, you know, conservative districts, particularly the Matthew, but obviously Senator Reinbold's not from the Matthew. But, but in any case, this is what you do as part of the system, as part of the caucus, um, you make sure to make an example of conservatives who are being too conservative. Well, it's all about control, is what this is. This is a way of controlling. This is this is how adults punish each other. You know, rather than sitting uh, you in the naughty yeah. corner, they're saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do it visibly. We're gonna show what happens when you go against the power." We're voting you off the island. We're voting you off the island. And what it shows me is this, 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 that's tyranny down there. That's what tyrants do when they cannot through other methods, because rather than trying to convince you to vote their way, you know, this is why, they, to me, the binding caucus sounds ridiculous. It's, it's a group of people, rather than trying to have adult discussions about ideas, huge ideas, that concern direction to the state and how to spend money. It's about the consolidation of power with a few individuals exactly. who then bully but, the rest it, it, into but, compliance. But they're not even trying to convince the other people that are, you know, maybe don't want to join the Binding Caucus. They say, well, we're not even going to try to give you an, uh, suggestions on why we think our ideas are better. And that's, that, we should resent that as, as you know, voters. We should sit down and say, hey. Well, it is, because you as voters are being locked out of that process. Um, and and those like myself who would try and represent you are, are also being locked yeah. out of that process for the yeah. same reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's not about the voters. No. It's about those in Juno. Yeah. Um, and so there's no reason to offer any kind of public explanation for why someone's being punished, whether it's Laura Reinbold or David Eastman or, or whoever it is, because it's not about you. 
so they don't have to justify their decision. Now, and this so this is arrogance at such an extreme level that it's almost hard to contemplate in a small state such as Alaska with seven hundred thousand people. We've got leaders that think they're so far above and beyond everything else that goes on in the world that they don't want to entertain any anyone else's ideas, and that's what it sure. is. This yeah, is, well, just is, from a human psychology perspective, I, I mean, it, it's intensely fascinating. Uh, and, and I'll tell you the fact that we have, you know, the smallest legislature in the country, uh, the smallest state house, the smallest state senate, um, creates a, an opportunity yeah. for some of these unique psychological, yeah. you know, episodes. Um, one of the things that had to happen sometime this year, though, and in this case, it happened yesterday to me, is you needed, the system needed, to take new legislators. Um, there were a lot of freshmen elected, you know, when, when some of the rhinos were booted last uh, election. It needed to take, it didn't happen last year, so it had to happen this year, um, needed to take those new freshmen and put them in a situation <laughs> where they made the decision publicly yeah. to punish a fellow conservative legislator. Yeah. And, and that's an important part of the enculturation process yeah. So that next year, yeah. when they go to institute a binding caucus, people have been enculturated. Yeah. It's, it's just normal. We, we, we just do that. That's what we do. You know, Ron, uh, Ron, Ron Gillum's wife, even the wife, defending his his ridiculous vote. Well, and let me let me you know, let me let me back up to tape for is. a second, because I did reach out to Ron and mm-hmm. uh, I texted him and I said, Hi, Ron. It's Jason Floyd. I'd like to interview you on my podcast concerning your recent vote regarding David Eastman and his removal from the Republican caucus. Pam said that you know about some heinous things that he had done that warranted his removal, but would not expand or elaborate on those things. She seemed pretty upset. This is an opportunity for you to tell folks why you took and made the position you did. I will be interviewing David and others regarding the actions of the caucus as well as the Republican Party uh, and its recent decision to censure people who support or participate with or support the Foundation for Applied Conservative Leadership. Uh, Ron did respond to me. He said, hey, Jason, that was the hardest vote I'd ever taken. I consider David a friend, but... What was happening behind the scenes could not continue to happen. I will not be able to do your podcast for a few weeks. Today I'm having a presentation in Kenai from noon till 3, and then I have another event from 5 to 7. Then back to Juno tomorrow. I'm committed next week as well. We're supposed to finish in Juno around the 18th. I'll get in touch with you once I get home. Yeah, once it's all said and done. And I said, hey, I have the ability to have you talk on the podcast via phone. Uh, so we can do the interview wherever you are. Weasel words. Typically, we run the show starting at noon to 1 p.m. on Saturdays. So Mr. Gillum has been notified that uh, he need not wait uh-uh. until all is said and done. And, you know, I find this really surprising. Maybe, maybe you don't see it as surprising. But in a year where Republicans should be winning everything... It seems that the party and our leadership are pouring gasoline over yep. their heads yeah. and lighting cigarettes. Yeah, no, don't don't assume that the Republicans want to win. 
Seriously. My husband is always, well, we're going to win back the House and the Senate. The problem is a lot of Republicans, I believe, are drunk on power. And when they sense a vacuum or an opportunity, they seize it. Now, I want to roll back to a vote that took place. And maybe, David, you can remember the date uh, of this general session and uh, correct some details. I, I, I'm, not, I'm unclear as to whether it was the first reading or the second reading of the finance bill where you offered something like 54 amendments to it. Uh, do, can, you, can you clarify when that was and if that was the first or second reading? Um, amendments are offered in second reading. Okay. And uh, no, it wasn't wasn't fifty four amendments, but I offered uh, many amendments, and I, and I think it's good to highlight uh, the budget process this year, uh, particularly you know how legislators voted on amendments because all the things that you're seeing um, from Representative McCabe, you know, going to the state convention, uh, even what happened on the floor yesterday, the, the context is that during our budget process this year. Uh, Republicans in the House took uh, a much more liberal position on on things, and uh, it was it was a hard left you know turn compared to say last year how people voted. Um, you know the same amendments were put forward last year, um, and Republicans uh, by and large you know voted in support of those amendments. Uh, this year they didn't; they voted to kill those amendments, and so just strictly from um, uh, an optics perspective, you know, almost every uh, Republican in the House who, who went along with this, and, and I think Representative Kirko was one of the few, maybe the only one who consistently did not, uh, but every single legislator in the House, because they, you know, followed bad leadership, um, or in some cases were part of that bad leadership, are, are now in a position of having to figure out, well, how do I defend what I just did? Um, and, and they don't want to do that. And it's a very uncomfortable thing. And, and honestly, it was, it was just a, a terrible decision, uh, from those who were leading the charge to lead Republicans off the cliff. And, and it was just as bad for those Republicans who followed them off the cliff. Well, but, the, the, but that's the context in which we find ourselves today. And you have state conventions and resolutions. And we don't want to talk about people's voting records. The people who are proud of their voting records, I'm proud of my voting record. Um, don't have anything to gain by by hiding it or, or punishing people for criticizing it. I'm I'm open to criticism. I'll take it. And and those of us who are watching and paying attention, when we ask our legislators or their next of kin why they voted a certain way, it this is kind of the response we get. Silence. <laughs> kill you. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. Uh, Remain where you belong, down in the ditches with the rest of the plebes, while we up here on the roadway point the direction to prosperity. Oh, by the way, we love extra sessions and extra innings. Well, you know, but what's interesting is I find if you just look, it doesn't matter which, uh, you know, whether it's a House or a Senate seat or a, what year, it's not as though they've, they've taken good care of Alaska, just as, you know, from a person who lives here. This has been going on for years. They, um, it, it's not as though they've done anything magical, like say Florida or Texas, in which the people in the House and rep- you know the representatives down there are actually solving problems. They've got problems; they're solving them. You know, Alaska is a very blessed state, and they've squandered the money. They've squandered our heritage. 
Which well, well, you know, um, I'm pretty involved. I mean, not as much as I probably could be or should be, but I'm more involved, I think, than probably the average Joe. I oftentimes have a lot of people come and ask me what I know or who I've talked to, what I've seen. And I follow a number of conservative Facebook groups, and um, I read the news and listen to talk radio yeah. uh, as often as possible. But um, I weighed in uh, recently. So McCabe got in some trouble, and I think that this whole mixed bag of drama has... Uh, has something to do with this and maybe you can weigh in on it a little bit david uh i don't know if you have any knowledge but um but mr mccabe was called out at uh i believe there was a a um a, a pamphlet circulated at the matsu sportsman's um big trade show thing that happened recently where it claimed that he was not as Second Amendment friendly as his campaign suggested he would be. Do you, do you have any comment on on that pamphlet or any knowledge about what happened with that? Sure, I'll, I'll give you the things that I I think are important. Um, obviously, there's more details I'm probably not aware of, but uh, but I can tell you this much: the campaign that uh, Representative McCade had is is very different than his performance in the legislature. Um, and he's in the district next to mine. Um, so I, I know a lot of the folks in that district. Obviously, I'm sure he knows a lot of the folks in my district, um, both Republican districts. His is actually um, the more conservative, you know, from a, a numerical standpoint um, than mine. And, and so the decisions that he's made are, are not that, uh, and that's created some, some tension there. And one of the things that um, uh, that his campaign versus his um, you know opponent uh, was going on in the last election dealt with the Second Amendment, and there were um, there were post you know postcards and, and flyers in the mail from Alaska gun owners about some of the bad votes on the Second Amendment that his opponent had taken, uh, and they actually spent you know a sum of money at least a thousand bucks I think on highlighting. Um, the budget vote where uh, his uh, opponent had tried to weaken the amendment on um, protecting the Second Amendment at the University of Alaska. And, and they you know, spent money and sent the flyers out, uh, and I'm, I'm certain that um, uh, assisted you know, Representative McCabe in, in his election. And, and now... You know, this this is his first term in office. The same amendment comes forward. The exact same amendment comes forward to the budget. And he doesn't just vote to weaken it. He votes to kill it outright. And and this is after, you know, you've got folks in his district that spent a lot of time and money um, helping him get elected or you know, going after his opponent on this exact same vote. And and if you think they were just going to say nothing about that. I think that would be a very um, poor political calculation. So, of course, they had something to say about it. And, of course, they're upset. Um, and now, instead of, you know, walking that back and, and apologizing, 
Eruption and McCabe is choosing to literally attack them for pointing out how he just caved on a vote that you know was was a bad thing when his um, a, you know previous opponent did it, and now he arguably did even worse by killing the amendment outright. Well, and, and I want to weigh in here because I, you know, right, wrong, indifferent, or otherwise, you know, information is empowering and when you only have part of the information you can't really make a good evaluated or evaluation of a of a, a situation and, and and act accordingly and uh so i ran across this issue on social media through one of the conservative groups that was uh, had started launching attacks at uh one of your staff members uh, jared mcclure and then also try to rope uh, the Alaska Right to Life folks in through Pat Martin and um, was uh, claiming, and, and there, there have been camps that have emerged, you know, pro-McCabe camp and, and anti-McCabe camp. And, and uh, the pro-McCabe camp was asserting that, that basically this, this, uh, this attack on, on McCabe was a political maneuver orchestrated through your office by Jared McClure, who is, uh, I don't know what his affiliation with the gun group is, but that, that he and Pat Martin were board members or founding members or active participants or some, some kind of thing. And so the justification for this, this, uh, this crazy over-the-top behavior by McCabe and his supporters it, up to saying that classifying uh, FACL as sort of an, an opposition uh, organization that should be distanced from, from the party. Um, you know, I, when I saw that flyer and I saw the assertions, I weighed in and I said, hey, go, guys, I, I know Jared McClure personally, and I hold him in high esteem, and I believe that he is a man of integrity, and if Jared was associated with this, this flyer in any way, and he supported the assertions that it made, then it really begs the question. And so if anything in this, uh, in this flyer is not true, it would be incumbent upon Mr. McCabe to clarify that issue. Well, no sooner had, had I hit send. <laughs> I got an immediate reply from Mr. McCabe. Uh Uh-oh. And he swore up and down, well, it's nothing about that. And then he sent me a link to that finance uh, committee, or that that second reading of the finance uh, bill. Um, And it was about a 20-second little blurb in which he, I believe it was, he uh, voted to table an amendment concerning the second amendment stuff and he tried to assert i didn't i didn't vote against it (laughs) well i was like i like to see things in context context and so when you see somebody say you know madam chair you know i would vote to table this and and there's a second and it just goes away i want to know what came before that and what came after that so I went and I watched the entire floor session. I had missed it that day, and I don't see it every day. Uh, I try to watch them, you know, when, when breaking news happens or there's an anticipated action. But um, I watched the whole floor session, the archive of it, and it was curious that every single amendment 
basically, I think without without exception, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, was basically shut down, tabled, without any discussion, without any debate, without the ability to even make a position known uh, by Representative McCabe and Representative Carpenter. And that they basically ping-ponged back and forth. McCabe would take one of them and say, you know, I've, I, I, I moved to table and there, there would be a quick vote. And then it'd go on to the next one. And Carpenter would stand up and say, I moved to table. And, and it, there'd be a second. They, and, and they just did that for every single amendment that came across. And I watched the votes. And, and basically, by that point, I believe Johnson, what, is it Delana Johnson that, that supported the, the the amendments being read. Do yeah, I there were there were a, a handful. There was Delana Delana John. Well, it was basically four. I mean, they kind of came on and off, but but basically there were four people that continued to vote for the amendments to be read. There was yourself, Representative Kirka Johnson, and then another gentleman. I can't remember his name. He's got glasses and kind of longish hair. Um, You're talking about James Kaufman. Yes, Mr. Kaufman. So, so I watched that, and it didn't answer any questions that I had about Mr. McCabe. It just broadened the field of questions. And, uh, you know, I know that in political maneuvering that bringing a bill to the floor when you're a minority member and one of the most conservative minority members uh, is generally understood that it's probably not going to pass because the majority holds the votes and the, the handhold, handful of rhinos in your own caucus will often cross the line to, to shut things down. Um, but that there's a secondary purpose for bringing those motions to the floor, and that is to shine a light on all the cockroaches who just approved a massive spending bill did not cut the budget, did not uh, uh, further the, the security of the p- permanent fund of it, uh, dividend under the, the statutory formula, um, and that it's one of the last opportunities to get those folks on the record for voting against against those amendments, which may have aspirational language in them or may have some kind of information that or, or, or position that, that would never get past in a million years, but are important points to make because it defines the people who oppose them so that we can replace them with better representation. And, and what effectively Mr. Carpenter and Mr. McCabe did is they completely took that off the table because they didn't feel it was important or do you have a read on why they would shut down every single amendment? Well, I, I you know, you started the conversation by, you know, I think a, a comment from Emerson McCabe that, you know, he didn't vote against, you know, a, an amendment. Um, you know, I, he sent a press release out right after that, uh, basically boasting for killing, you know, the amendments that he tabled. Um, I, I would think that would qualify as voting against it. Um, it actually, it's, it's worse than voting against it because if, you know, someone's taking the time to have a, an amendment drafted and, and they're, you know, putting their name behind it and putting it out on the floor and, um, and, and asking for it to be voted on, to not even allow them to share for a minute 
what it is, what it does, you know, why they thought it was worth the time to, to bring it to the body's attention. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a lot worse than just voting against uh, an amendment. <clears throat> but I, I, would, I would make mention of the fact that you have, especially as a, a Republican in a Democrat-controlled body, um, you know, you have very few tools available to you to bring the policies forward, to raise attention to them, to be able to speak to why they're important, to be able to let the public know, um, you know, what's important to, as, as well as the other legislators. And uh, there's two competing philosophies about, you know, what it means to be a Republican in the state house right now. I'll tell you, my very first night when I was first elected, uh, before I was sworn in, before any of that, um, you know, at the moment that the election results were announced, it was also announced that I had you know, been elected uh, and that the Democrats were going to be in control of the House because, um, you know, Gabrielle Ledoux and Paul Seaton, um, those folks were you know going to go and, and join the Democrats. And Louise Stutes, of course, being the third. But, uh, but the first response that I got uh, about that was from a, a former Valley legislator who came and said, Hey, don't worry about it. You know, you're in the minority. Um, you know, when I was in the major, uh, minority in the legislature, uh, I went up, I bought a boat and I went fishing every day in Juneau. <laughs> and, and, and that I, 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 I heartfelt, you know, trying to, you know, console you for, for, you know, not being in power and not having a committee chairmanship and not having a bigger office and the big, more staff. Who, who's, who stuff. said you weren't going to be able to accomplish things in Juneau? Yeah, I maybe, mean. you know, I just had this thought, maybe we should buy them all boats, you know, all of them, Louise Stutes included, and say, please go fishing, you know, yeah, maybe no. that's the solution. Just say, please, I'll even buy him bigger boats. It'd probably cost yeah, us yeah, less. Uh, obviously, I didn't personally take that advice. I don't have a boat. Um, I've been fishing once in, you know, in Juneau in six years, um, and that wasn't, you know, because I was missing a, a voting session. That was after the session See, ended. See, they're trying but, to get you to go fishing. That's what you don't understand, David. Is that you're not oh, following? They are, they you're not following the program. Uh, yeah, and so and there are other legislators who have adopted most or, or all of that mindset, yeah. uh, and the mindset is um, the Democrats are in charge. You know, it it would be a waste of my time and energy to try and and push back against you know whatever it is that they're trying to push through the House. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just wait until I'm in the majority, whenever that is. And so some people, you know, have been waiting for six years um, and, and they're hoping that, boy, redistricting is going to give it to us. We're finally going to be in the majority uh, and then we'll fight. Um, and, and that is at the, you know, at the, at the basic level, what we're dealing with. We're dealing with some small number of conservative legislators, um, or Reinbold comes to mind, uh, Christopher Kirk comes to mind, who are willing to fight against bad policies whether they are, you know, put forward with a, a rhino's name on it or a Democrat's name on it or, or whoever's name on it, they're, they're willing to stand against that on behalf of the people that, you know, that they're representing. And uh, in some cases, people in other districts, they're also, you know, making decisions for as, a, as an elected official. And, and that is part of the job. I mean, I, I see it. There's, there's a certain moral obligation to oppose bad policy because I'm I'm the one being asked to vote on it. Not every Republican legislator agrees with that. Inconceivable. Uh, and some are, 
<laughs> and some are very offended yeah. that, you know, you would um, uh, oppose the policy or the bill or, or you put forward an amendment to, to try and fix it. Um, and so this isn't about campaigns and elections. I mean, obviously, being in the legislature, that's always sort of there. But um, but putting forward an amendment because you think it would be an improvement to the bill and it would result in better policy, whether or not, you know, other people are going to agree with you or not. You know, that's just part of the job. Mm. Um, and so this this complaint that, you know, I've uh, been hearing the last couple of weeks is, well, you put forward too many amendments. I say, um, OK, what amendment do you not like? You know, wh- which amendment do you disagree with? What? Where's the bad policy? I mean, obviously, my name's on it, so I should, you know, have to defend or explain, you know, uh, whatever criticism comes my way on. You know, all right, was I, was I increasing the budget too much with my amendments or, or maybe I was cutting it too much? You know, I don't know. I, either way, you, you, sometimes you hear both. But I don't get those kind of criticisms. I just get, well, you put too, for too many amendments. So compared to what? Compared to the Republicans who aren't putting forward any amendments and who are, aren't showing up. I mean, Representative McCain didn't even show up to vote on the budget. That's, I mean, he, that's, you, you talked about, you know, what happened at the, the gun show. He was at the gun show and we were all in Juneau at 39 out of 40 legislators. <laughs> we were there to vote on the budget. He wasn't there. And, mm-hmm. and so he got, you know, into a controversy at a gun show. I don't have a lot of sympathy for that, frankly. Well, let me ask you this. So, so all these heinous things that you're being accused of, these, these, uh, these just terrible, despicable actions you're doing behind the scenes, I'm just going to ask you a list of questions. Uh, the things that you're doing, would you would you believe that anything you have done has not been within your constitutional obligation and duty or within the parameters that the Constitution defines your role or the rights of Alaskans? No, I, I work very hard not to violate the Constitution. And if there's a vote somewhere where I haven't, that was not intentional, I assure you. Um, that said, I, I don't believe the Constitution, you know, defines every decision you're going to make. It, it gives you the, the broad parameters and said, don't cross this line, don't cross that line. And, and there is room for discussion and discretion. Um, it doesn't, you know, for example, tell you, you know, how much the, the amount of the budget is going to be this year. But I think there are some principles there about, you know, it shouldn't be above a certain amount for sure. So the second question is anything that you have done, uh, up to this point in your six years, would you say anything you have done has fallen outside the scope of the planks as written in the Republican Party platform? Not that I'm aware of. No, I, uh, a lot of my constituents are Republican. Um, we kind of like the Republican platform. Uh, frankly, I was, was saddened to hear that uh, a lot of those planks had been gotten rid of um, you know, a, a week ago at the state convention. And um, I think that's probably a, a mistake from the Republican Party. I, uh, yes, there are Republicans who are in the legislature who are, are violating those planks, but that is not the reason to get rid of them. The, the reason to get rid of them is because they're bad, not because Republican legislators don't like them. Uh, third question, to your knowledge, are you currently under investigation for any criminal or ethical violations or infractions? Well, you know, I, I think that's the sort of question that, you know, at some point uh, as a conservative, I'm going to be. Um, and in the future, I, I'm not going to want to, you know, necessarily 
um, talk about that. But no, at the moment, I'm not. Um, but I don't want that to be read across as, well, you know, in the future, if I choose not to answer, then that means that I am. But, you know, I think part of that is just it, it comes with the job. I know, well, Reinbold's been investigated on this, that, and the other thing. Cammie Wilson was investigated on this, that, and the other thing. Uh, I have been, you know, a number of times. Um, honestly, that is, you know, unless you're engaged in election fraud or something, um, that's actually a mark that you're probably actually doing the right thing and upsetting the status quo. Oh, gosh. I, I know, uh, I mean, I know the... the well, in, 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 investigation... was bogus. Well, an in, in investigation doesn't mean that there's guilt, and we can look at the January 6th, you know, committee that's that's meeting and and see what a, what a kangaroo court that is. Yeah, and, but these, these are the wrong benchmarks. I'm sorry. But <laughs> this is the wrong... Uh, if, if you're I'm, investigated, you know you're doing something right? What, what I'm what I'm what I'm trying to do with these questions yeah. is lay a foundation to say yeah. it sounds like to me that what the uh, Republicans, which it sounds like when we replaced all those rhinos this last uh, with last another set of rhinos cycle that we didn't get much better. No, uh, out no. of that. Um, now, I, I have to tell you, I woke up this morning um, and I had just come out of a profound dream. And it was a strange dream because I don't dream like this usually. So I took a minute to kind of try to collect my thoughts and capture them in a way that would be useful to the podcast. So <laughs> I, was, I was dreaming that I was in a debate with somebody. And uh, we were. it was loosely around, around uh, the issue of COVID-19 and social distancing, vaccination, and national policies as they related to education and the protection of our children, and um, and I was and I was talking with somebody from the teachers union, and the the term or or the the phrase correlation does not equate to causation was something that came into my mind and and uh, i very quickly lost the rest of the dream but but that's the part that stuck and so you know when we reflect on the events of this last week or last few weeks um and the rhinos and folks that have voted against what many would argue is the most conservative voice in juno uh, they would like to paint a picture of cause and effect. That that all of this uh, all of this pain, all of this uh, drama is is the result of actions taken by uh, Representative Eastman and his associates, his friends, his political allies, and that uh, actions have have consequences. And that uh, they're all just suffering from the consequences of their poor actions, and they're they're trying to say that it's a cause and effect relationship, but but really what they're looking at is a correlation between people who are pissed off at them and voicing their opinions and increasing pressure on them politically, and they're looking for a scapegoat. They're looking for any way out. 
any way that they can avoid answering the hard questions, any way exactly. that they can avoid yep. uh, answering for their votes, any way that they can avoid actually having to vote on things. So they, they table things so that they can, in good conscience, go before their, their constituents and say, I didn't vote against that. It was tabled. It was out of my hands. Mm. There was nothing I could have done. You know, the time when the clock was ticking and you don't want us there longer than 90 days or 120 days or 360 days or 100, you know, 1,000 days or whatever. And so, so we're, we're on your side. We were just saving time, which is saving money, which is what you want us to do. You know, and, and uh, it's, all, it's all piling, steaming. You, you uh, forgot the part about where they say, we know better than you do. So we don't need to be questioned, right? Yeah. That's, that's the implied, that's the implication behind all of this. You know, like when Ben Carpenter said the full PFD was too much money for them to spend. I'm trying to figure out what he thinks too much money is. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. It's, it's the same with the budget. It's the same with, with any issue. It's like they know better and we don't know better and we just should sit in a corner and shut up and they'll take care of us so so david uh we're we we are approaching we're actually at our hour mark and uh for uh to maintain our position as the hour of power you know i don't want to start losing steam after an hour but uh i wanted to give you sort of a a final wrap-up opportunity to um just list uh, in as much time as it takes to list uh, all of the um, sort of nefarious, uh, terrible things that you've done to justify the actions of your peers. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm expecting that there's not a lot of time to do that. (laughs) So, okay. So so we will wait with bated breath to hear... Uh, Mr. Gillum and Mr. Carpenter and Ms. Vance to paint us a picture of how the universe was taken out of alignment by uh, the the great and tremendous power that you wield uh, to the point that they had to punish you in this in this regard. I will be reaching out to Mr. Carpenter and Vance. I'm not holding my breath because I don't want to die. No, no. Um, I don't expect to hear from them anything of substance or consequence. Uh, I think that they should be nervous. There are a lot of people that well, are upset. I know I'm upset. Go ahead. Well, expect, uh, expectations aside of what you think they, you know, anyone might respond to, to your questions with, you and, and every member of the public deserve an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, these, are not, these are not things, you know, this isn't some private club somewhere um, where they had, uh, you know, initiation ceremony and, you know, somebody wasn't invited into the frat party and it, there's no, you know, reason why you should know why somebody wasn't invited into the frat party. Uh, this is the Alaska state legislature. These are your taxpayers dollars at work. Um, I don't know. A, I, I don't know. When I was down there last year, I remember a specific beer pong party. I was not invited to. <laughs> And I, th- uh, I, I yeah. actually think and, I, I, so, I actually think they think it is a frat party, a, a, a sorority, well, and, a fraternity, or whatever. You know, that's where that's where we that's how it's you know, being we have this uh, coming of of um, uh, unavoidable conflict. Is yeah. is those of us who say, 
hey, you know, you, you're a caucus. You're supposed to represent the public. You have paid staff who work for the caucus. You uh, are supposed to provide resources to Republican legislators, which obviously they're not providing to me or, or to my staff. And uh, even those who are in their caucus sometimes, you know, have trouble getting access to those resources. But but those are state resources. Uh, they're for a, a public purpose. I mean, there are laws about how those, you know, funds and resources are to be used. And we have come so far away from that, that, yes, there are those in the legislature who honestly believe yeah. that it's not for the public. It's no. for them. Yeah. And, and no one has any right to question, you know, who they, uh, you know, kick off the island or who they welcome into the club or anything like that. Those are all official, legal, public decisions. And and absolutely the public has a right to know. And and for someone to tell you, oh, it's, um, you know, that's private is not an acceptable answer. So I, I want to give just a moment here to Kendall. He's been uh, he's been politely <laughs> sitting here just sort of chuckling and uh, frowning and doing all the things that one would do when when uh, facing news like this. Uh, Kendall, you how long have you lived in the community here? Uh, since 2016. 2016. Go ahead and jump up closer to the mic there. Okay. And, um, yeah, so, so Kendall, are you registered with any particular political party? Yes, I'm a registered Republican. Oh, so sorry. Isn't that terrible? That is, I, you know, you really don't have a choice. <laughs> Mr. Eastman, I really want to thank you for being the one thorn in their side. You're welcome. So uh, you have been listening to the conservative hour of power and enlightenment salon. And we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, we encourage you to engage. We encourage you to call up your legislator and say, come on, man, what's going on? We sent you there to do, to, do a job and it seems like you're just fishing around for excuses not to do that thing that we sent you there to do. It's our responsibility, folks. This is not a spectator sport. You got to jump in. You got to get your hands dirty. You got to do some heavy lifting and pull the plow. So without further ado, thank you for signing in and listening. Uh, please like and share this podcast. Help expand our audience. And uh, if you feel so inclined to support our important work here and uh, what we do, you can support us on Patreon. If you go to uh, Podbean, uh, our Podbean link, you will see a link to Patreon where you can become a patron of truth and community activism with a nice twist of conservative spritz. Loretta, final words? None whatsoever. Well, I think that's it, folks. Yeah. We'll put a lid on this one and talk to you next week. <laughs>